Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Thank you all for being here. (laughs) We're going to do a little bit different. I'm going to require you all to tell me what these things mean. Because I believe, after reading a lot about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that he had the wisdom of, of the Apostle Paul. And I hope you'll feel the same way after we're done today. But let me tell you a little bit about him. I think I can get this thing to work. <laughs> I got a phone right here that says play. All right. We're, we're moving good. Okay, doctor. He's not a doctor. Yeah, he was a doctor. He was 21 years old, and he got his Ph.D., and his master's in the same year. <laughs> I don't know if we could do that today, but he did it then. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was God's special instrument for, for all of us. It, and a lot of the things that he did back then are, are happening to us today. It is, if you look at the uh, computer and read YouTube, th- there's a lot going on in this country. A lot of uh, church churches are splitting. Uh, the denominations uh, are, are changing the, the way they do things, and uh, there's a lot of th- a lot of people that believe that we're on the right track that, and we're not on the right track, but the people believe they are, and even our, even pastors are being deceived, and uh, so a lot of things happened back during this Hitler regime, and the Bonhoeffer regime that are happening today. Okay, he visited America because that's what everybody did. Everybody that was being chased by the, the government went to America. Well, he was here after, after about two weeks, three weeks. He said, I can't do it. Let me, let me read this to you. Let me see that. I got this thing, these things written down so I can see them. Hmm? Here it is. Okay, Bonhoeffer returned to Berlin after less than a month. I changed it accidentally. It's a bad I change it? Yeah, you changed it. Oh boy. Swipe. Yeah, did that go backwards? Here, yeah, that's it. That's the third one. Go one more click. Okay, he returned to Berlin after less than a month. He felt called to his native country. Now, this, this is where his, his integrity shows. He was, caught, he, was, he was a German. He must endure. And so he said, shortly after his return, one leader of the Confessing Church was arrested. Another fled to Switzerland, and Bonhoeffer had his authorization, authorization to teach revoked in 1936 after being denounced as a pacifist, an enemy of the state. What is a pacifist? He doesn't believe in war. Yeah, we're going to talk about war, and, and can you do that? Let's go ahead and flip it one more. Okay, were assassination attempts biblical? I want you to think hard, because I'm going to require you all to answer all these questions. 
Okay. Romans 13, 1 through 3. Everyone must submit to the governing authority, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and through it are bringing judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now flip the next slide. Here's the, here's the other part in Hosea 8, 2, 2, 2 4. It says number three. Now Israel pleads with me and says, help us, for you are our God. But it's too late. It's too late. He's done it. You, uh, what's it say? Oh, I'm having a hard time with this. Uh, maybe I need that down. Yeah. <laughs> she has appointed kings and princes, but not with my consent. They have cut themselves off from my help by worshiping the idols they have made from their silver and their gold. So the Bible says, don't argue with the, the king or the president. I have appointed him. And then it says, they appointed, they have cut themselves off from my help by worshiping idols they have made for, from silver of gold. And, and they, number four says, she has appointed kings and princesses, but not with my consent. Now, which is it? Bon, Bonhoeffer struggled on this incident here. Does anybody answer that question? What happened to make them think that they, Bonhoeffer actually opposed Hitler, criticized Hitler, and was, was a participant in the, the killing of Hitler, the trying? <laughs> all right, somebody tell me why. I'm, I'm going to stand here all day, so you guys. <laughs> I was going to give somebody else a chance. Well, go ahead. Right, go ahead. The question is, if Romans um, 13 talks about honor the authority that's in place, you can go back there. but then Hosea says, um, they, because of the, uh, the idolatry, I didn't put those princes in place. You did this without my consent. So there's the tension in Scripture where, um, remember, I think we shared last week that Israel, God wanted Israel to see him as king. And they said, no, we want to be like the other nations. Give us a Saul, right? So they... They gave, got Saul. We know how that turned out, right? And so there's this tension in Scripture about, and I think that's where I'm, I'm assuming Bonhoeffer is, because it's not too unlike today. Uh, let's take a, a, a recent example. Is um, when the COVID-19 lockdowns came in and they said you should show social distance, you should shut down. We honored that for a few weeks. Uh, and then we learned some about science and masks and all that. And... Uh, then we said, look, we're going to worship. We're going to come together. But then you had the governor of, of California say, well, you're not allowed to sing. You're not allowed to worship. So we're not going to let you even go to church. Same happened in New York. And the Supreme Court, both the Supreme Court ruled against New York's governor and Gavin Newsom of, of California. Because of First Amendment rights, of freedom of religion, you cannot dictate telling... so." Here's a case where do you honor the government? We tried to honor Governor Cooper here, but at the same time, you're not going to tell us we can't worship and we can't meet, okay? You've, got, you've now stepped over a line. So when Hitler's regime started down the pathway of identifying Jews as the enemy and started, I think it's at that point where now have you crossed over the line 
it's kind of the abortion issue maybe today. We don't necessarily, as Christians, support in any fashion abortion. So given the opportunity, we're not probably going to assassinate. I don't believe those who went to the abortion clinics and murdered doctors, you know, we're not supporting that. But um, there's this place where when do you then not submit to government authority? And they, that, I think, is the issue. They, in they my called heart. Bonhoeffer a pacifist. Now, they didn't like the fact that he wouldn't listen to Hitler and he didn't believe in killing. So they called him a pacifist. And all he was doing was going by the Bible. Let me tell you, first of all, I believe everything the Bible says. I, I am biblically minded, as they say. I don't, I don't think we're any smarter. We're not anywhere near as smart as God. And he put these in there. I don't know what it says to you. Now, you might want to, it's, 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 it's the same old thing, should you have a gun to protect your home? Or do you pray for God to protect you? That, that goes through the people of the church because they're wondering, what should they do? If they go out and buy a gun, are they sinning? Okay, we lock our doors at night, Right. Why do we lock our doors if, if, if God's going to take us and take care of us? Yeah, God, God, God will protect us. We, we believe that. But if anybody wants to hone a gun, according to the law of this nation, you go to the store and buy it. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Because there are people that are not going to obey the law. There are people that are demonically uh, possessed that want to take away what belongs to you. I remember many years ago, I was listening to Casey, uh, Casey Price. Um, when I was growing up, I fed on him a lot. So he was teaching about um, many people in the church uh, have an aversion to uh, insurance. You know, car insurance, house insurance, things like that. He said, that's the, he said, he said it very nice. That's the dumbest thing you can do. Because you're protecting yourself against what the devil wants to bring to destroy you. So if you just bought a car and you don't have insurance and then you get in an accident, you hold the money on the car, but you don't have the car. But if you have insurance, you're protected against it. The insurance will cover it. So that's, that's wisdom. One of the benefits or the blessings we get as children of God is the wisdom of God. But there are some wisdom that many in the church are even not even taking advantage of. They, I don't want insurance. I don't want a gun. If you want a gun, buy a gun and protect yourself. Stand your ground. If somebody's coming at you, coming at my wife, my children, my property, I'm going to protect it. And, oh, by the way, it's the law of the land. So, so I, don't, I don't see any problem with that. It doesn't go against what the Bible says. But there's, people, there's people in our church that feel like we shouldn't buy guns. And then they shouldn't. If they right. feel that way, they are, like um, I remember many weeks ago, Daniel Christian was talking about your personal conviction, not putting that on somebody else. I think that's, that's a valid way to live your life. Now, there are some cardinal truths that all of us should believe. It's not a personal conviction, like Jesus Christ is Lord, and it's the only way to, Jesus, to, to heaven. That one is non-negotiable. But there are some other things that, you know, buy a gun, you know, other stuff like that, that, you know, you can leave it to personal choice. 
Yeah, I knew I knew a guy that went to this church. He's not here any longer. He slept with a gun under his pillow. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> well, they say when when you have in your spirit, it's basically saying it's wrong, and you do it, it's a sin, and vice versa. So it really is a true uh, conviction. What's hit me about the authority, though, is that David and Saul. I wonder what it would have happened. Okay, forget the Bible at this point, but let's say he went ahead and killed Saul. I mean, the blessings may not have come, may not have come as quickly until after he was established, but here was an opportunity, a man trying to kill him. And he was not really what you would call a man who was a pacifist because he had to fight for his life as well, beyond just the king. So I'm just curious about what would have happened had Saul had been killed by David. Well, Bonhoeffer, he, uh, he knew that there was three attack, attacks on Hitler's life. Three, yeah, attempts. And so he knew that. That's so why, if ahead. I could comment on that, the, the case of Saul and David was very unique because the, the reason that Saul, I mean, sorry, David did not kill Saul was because of the anointing said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. The Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. And oh, by the way, all the Christians, believers, that are coming in against the prophets right now, over the last several days, several weeks, first of all, they are going to find out that the prophets were right. It's just a matter of this. Just hang on, hang on. God is, God is cooking up some. It's going to happen. And then they're going to repent and, and, and find out they were wrong. But the Bible said, touch not my anointed and do my prophet Noah. That's not an advice. That's not a suggestion. That is a commandment. Like it or lump it. So that's why David said, I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. Even though he has anointed me too. This is an anointed man. I'm not going to touch him. Yeah, David, David wanted to talk some more response to that, was he still anointed at that point? I mean, when does the anointing possibly leave? Thanks. Well, okay, somebody so much, there goes my argument. Well, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the devil's advocate could tell you three attempts were made on Hitler's life. They, they failed on all three. Does that mean that the scripture that says I appoint is right? Yeah, that's uh, that's debatable. There were we, we know if first of all, what was the anointing on Hitler? <laughs> he was an antichrist, right? Because you know, based on what he did with the Jews. So, and if you do a study, uh, again, I like I like to study history. If you look at Himmler, who was one of Hitler's uh, main guys, and how the, they rose in power, there was a whole lot of um, witchcraft, New Age associated. In fact. I'm told that uh, the Waffen SS, the 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 top echelon of his military leadership, when they were indoctrinated, they took the the blood from the flags when they when they overthrew the chancellery and all of that. They took those blood dipped flags, and every one of them would make a verbal commitment to Adolf Hitler with their lives. Yeah. And so there was a there was a blood atonement or blood covenant agreement through witchcraft of that. So when I have my own theories about uh, there was a lot of demonic activity around Adolf Hitler. 
Um, and the demons have power. We've seen it. Look at Moses and his two guys who, when, uh, when Moses throws his staff down and the other two throw theirs down, okay, we know that, the, that Moses' staff ate theirs, but, um, but the devil has power, and it takes someone who's with greater power and authority in Christ or under God's anointing to defeat the enemy. So was Hitler protected by evil spirits? That's a debate you could have. <laughs> it's, it's a real touchy thing. I mean, the Scripture goes both ways. It says, don't kill him. I, I, I appointed him. This is God talking. And this says, go ahead and don't, don't. And then he said, go ahead and kill him. I went through a Desert Storm back in 1991. And I was in the Episcopal Church at that time. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was a very good church. And, and I'm, not, I'm not criticizing it at all. But the priest who was in charge of the church, I went to him and I said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to war. I may have to shoot somebody. Is that okay? That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, if they're shooting at you, shoot back. That's one thing to think. All right. But, so I had to go through a kind of a, the, if you did this, you would answer this one. What do you call that? I don't know what they call them, but it was kind of a fill out. I filled out a, a, a sheet, and it came out, it's the less of two evils. So going to war and shooting somebody is less of two evils, shooting somebody because you like it, you might not uh, feel the same way. So I went ahead and went to war. I didn't have to shoot, shoot anybody, thank the Lord. <laughs> but I did carry a gun, and I could have shot somebody. So I, that's a real serious problem. And there, some people just can't, they have to be conscientious objectors. Y'all know what that is? Conscientious objectors. Watch the movie Unforgiven if you don't know what it is. Yeah. And uh, they really didn't. Sure. Just for a piece of information about him being a pacifist, and that was one of his uh, complaints. That's they, why, yeah. Their complaints. During World War II, of course, I was a worker and a young woman. That was uh, one appeal that men could refuse to go on the draft in World War II. And some of it was appealed. I mean, some of it was a lie, but anyway, that's yeah. very interesting because going through that, I work with many men that were scared to go in the draft, and they, they were looking for an out. Now, I just wanted to discuss this. I don't think I, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I really don't. But I think each of you, Say, Lord, put those scriptures together and say, Lord, which one should I do? I think it depends on the circumstance, and that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Because Yeah, ask, well, yeah, you ask the Holy Spirit, hey, do I do A or do I do B? Now, Hitler was part of the CIA. They called it the Abwehr. He uh, got into that because his brother-in-law was in charge. So he, he didn't want to do that thing with, uh, I, I honor Hitler and I'll, fo I'll follow him to the death. That's, uh, he didn't want to do that. So he became, uh, that's why they called him a pacifist. He went to the CIA, I'll call it CIA, the German CIA, and he, he didn't have to uh, take that oath. So he stayed away from the oath by doing that. So by saying he's a pacifist? Well, that's why they called him a I don't know why they called him a pacifist. 
Uh, that's that probably was involved in that, but uh, he 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 never had that to to uh, to say that thing to Hitler. And have you seen the uh, the movies where there's just me and not millions, but thousands and thousands of people saying the the, the Hitler? What do you call that? Hi Hitler. Yeah, yeah it's kind of I I will serve him, and they raise their right hand. I will serve him forever. He basically was saying, he is my God. Yeah, so he got... You ready for him? Yeah. Yeah, he did, but how did he do that? Demonic powers. Okay, you can see the demonic powers by, by watching his life. And I'm, I'm a war movie. I love war movies. <laughs> my wife will tell you. I watch them all the time. But he was definitely... He was definitely underneath that uh, demonic. He had a demonic anointing. Yeah. I think um, that's the relative da danger that we're in right now. Sunday's message from Peyton about. Uh, you can't hear it? Okay. Progressive, Christi progressive Christianity today is as the, the slow burn of compromise of justifying sin, dumbing down the truth. When you look at the circumstances that, of the growth that happened in, in Nazi Germany from 1933, so you had the defeat from World War I, the humiliation, then you had the um, depression, and then the, the, the taking away of the land. They were ripe for this leader to come in place to tell them that, no, you're something, you can, we can do this, and then the swearing of allegiance. So he captured the cultural situation. It was the, the zeitgeist of the time, the spirit of the times. And then you also had the dumbing down of the church and the unwillingness of the church to counter what was going on in the culture. Yeah. That's the relevancy That's of right. where we are today. Yeah. As we start to pass laws that are totally against God, you open the door for the demonic spirits to start operating. And that's how these people got. If you ever read Mein Kampf or you listen, he was a d dynamic speaker, but it was in covered by demonic presence. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think he was ever had the church buck, bucked him. He would never have done what he did. The church just kind of caved in. And early on in the war, he started winning. If you study the war, he went through France like, you know, they had fought for years. But he went through them and, 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 and they, the church leader says, well, he's not exactly following the Bible, but he sure is doing good. <laughs> so God must be with him. So that's what the churches did. They, they buckled under the pressure of, of uh, Hitler and his, and, his, uh, and his people. Okay, let's go one slide more. People like Nazis and stuff, they they didn't really realize what they were doing, I don't think. Like just because they were a Nazi, we think oh oh Nazis are evil. But I don't think they really realized what was going on. Yeah, they, they were they they didn't realize just what was going on. Because they were told by yeah. Hitler, Oh, this is all good, it's all good. So they thought they were proud to be Nazis. But if they had known what was actually going on, I think it'd be a whole different story. And I think that in our country today, the way how it's kinda going, if the I mean, I'm, with Adolf Hitler, I'll say, I'll just say, you know, some imaginary Adolf Hitler. It's kind of going the same way in terms of 
brainwashing people and saying, oh, but it could be better. It could be better just do it this way instead. And so just, oh, just do it a little, a little differently. We'll tweak it here and tweak it there. And if things keep on going the way they are, then things will get so tweaked, if you want to say, that it will, people will be, oh, it's the right way. We're doing it right. And it will, will be so, so many people will be not realizing what's going, what's actually going on. Okay, I think prayer is, the only answer is prayer. Uh, Joyce Meyer said something that I've, I've said before one time, but it's, it's, it's resonated in my heart. I've done everything I can, now I'm going to pray. What's wrong with that? <laughs> prayer is the most important thing to do, and then try something else. <laughs> I don't usually listen when Terry's watching History Channel. It's just not my thing. But <laughs> the other day it was on, and, and especially with doing this, he's watching a lot of World War II, and I remember them saying something about that the people didn't really like what he was doing to the Jews, and so when it came to actually killing them and stuff, he moved them out of the way. It was like done in, in secret, yeah. done somewhere else, so that the average person didn't really know what he was doing to the Jews. Yeah, he didn't, uh, the, the, the average German citizen didn't like killing the Jews. He controlled the press. But yeah, he controlled the press, and that's, the press wasn't free. And uh, I, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things going on in our country today that, that if you can go back and study, it'll happen in Hitler's day. He was arrested for being a preacher and criticizing Hitler. He was sent to Tegel Prison. It wasn't as bad as others. Now, I think a lot of the things he wrote, he wrote because he had the freedom to write them. His brother-in-law, or his uncle, was administrator of the prison, but was powerless to help Derek. The guards treated him well and did special favors for him, but he was still in prison. And he had a fiancé, and he was visited once a month by the fiance. But the trouble is, when the fiance was there, so was the leader of the prison. So they all sat there and listened to each other. So they were hoping she would give away some secrets uh, uh, that he knew. So that was the, the reason he did that. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys some questions. All right. After he was killed, Hitler was actually blown up, and he, he lived through it. 5,000 people were killed because of that. He, and two weeks later, he, was, he shot himself. Yeah, that was Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie. That was the one that blew up the, the meeting, meeting house that Hitler was in. Uh, the peop, so 5,000 people died when they tried to kill him the last time. I think they just gave up. But two weeks later, he gave up. <laughs> he killed himself. And uh, what uh, one one thing that Bonhoeffer did that he had knowledge of these things, but he didn't do anything about them. So that was what made him guilty. He had knowledge of the assassination. Yeah. yeah. He, he knew he's part being part of the CA. His uh, brother-in-law married his sister. His brother-in-law was the head of the CIA, the Abwehr, they call it. So they knew all. They knew all this. And he, he also knew about the camps in Poland. Most of the camps 
were in Poland that killed the Jews because the Germans didn't want to do it and didn't like it. But I don't know that they asked the right questions to find out. Okay, let's go one more slide to this. All right, now this, read this carefully. When people su suggest in their letters that I'm suffering here, this is Bonhoeffer talking, I reject the thought. It seems to me a, a profanation. These things must not be dramatized. I doubt very much whether I am suffering any more than you or most people are suffering today. Of course, a great deal of this is horrible, but where is it? Where is it? Perhaps we've made too much of this question of suffering and have been too solemn about it. No suffering must be something quite different and have a quite different dimension from what I have done and what I've seen so far. So when people said, you know, it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate that you're suffering, what I said last week was, was something that's really made, we have interviewed people from suffering countries, like the Hindus are killing uh, the Christians. And when you ask them, they'll say, pray for me, but don't pray against suffering. Now, why would they do that? Why wouldn't you pray against suffering? Uh, they're, they're where God has placed them. And they also, I, I think, know that the Holy, they know that the Holy Spirit's there with them. They're, they're, they know that God's with them. So, and, and part of it is because of the suffering that they're, they're going through, that, you know, like the martyrs and stuff. You know, they were martyred and killed, but first of all, they were standing for God, and second of all, they knew that God was with them. Now, Bishop, you came from a place where they, they, did they, they do anything to Christians, the Muslims? Yeah. Uh, persecution is not, I mean, it's everywhere. It's more pronounced in some places than others. And when it comes to the subject of uh, suffering, um, I think we need to distinguish people that have been appointed uh, as martyrs, uh, to, to, because that's the purpose that God has ordained for them, to die for the cause of Christ. But we don't want to use that as an excuse for Joe Blow in the church. Oh, I'm suffering for the Lord. I'm suffering for the Lord. We have to examine that so that we don't get deceived by the enemy that everything is under the umbrella of suffering. You know, because God's intention is for us to be healed, to be blessed, to be, you know, prosper, things like that. So we need to f draw a fine line between the two. Yes, I understand. Yes, there are instances in situations where you, you stand your ground in faith. We know that many of the apostles, in fact, all of them were, you know, were crucified upside down and different ways. They tried to kill John in the highland of Patmos. So we know that. But there are many also that were rescued by the Lord and, and set free by the Lord. So we need to, you know, have that fine line. What they, were, what they said, uh, to me, I've heard people talk, is they said God does big things when there's a lot of suffering. It seems like he acts stronger, forceful, forcefully. And both in the Mozambique, they, they, the Muslim did a lot of suffering there. But a lot of people in Mozambique got raised from the dead. So the countries where they suffer the most, God comes, comes to them in a, in, a, in a stronger way. 
that, and that's so, so that's why they don't want you to pray for suffering to cease. They want you to pray for them. And I think something, maybe, uh, now this is just a maybe, because I don't know which side I'm on about the, the weapons, whether or not I should fight against the, the king that God has placed in office. But uh, if I do, then I am taking on the responsibility. But I would not do that without asking God, can I do this? Say, Lord, is it okay for me to do this? And then I, now I would say the scriptures, Romans, uh, what is it, 316? Is that what it is? I wrote it down. Okay, Bishop? I think what Pastor said earlier kind of uh, speaks to that because we know what the Word of God says on many, many topics. So if the commandment or the laws of the land begins to infringe on what the scripture says, then that's where we draw the line. We honor the king, we honor the constituted authority, but when whatever their laws or whatever edicts they are sending down goes against what the Bible says, then I'm gonna say sorry. I remember many years ago, uh, a family a relative that my, my sister is married into that family. We were having a conversation and I told them that I paid tithes. It was, it just came out in the conversation. And the guy looked at me like, you're giving your money to pastors? And then he started using profanity and said, instead of you sending you know, the money to people back at home, blah, 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 I said, there's money for God. Give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give unto God what belongs to God. I'll give God what belongs to God and I'll give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. After all, it's my money. So why are you getting upset? <laughs> <laughs> but he's an older man. You know, I have to honor and respect him. So I didn't say anything. I let him, you know, fume and talk. And then after it was done, I still gave my money to God. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, so think, I think that's the secret. We have, to know, we have to know in our heart what God wants me to do. And Bonhoeffer is going to talk about that in just a, in just a few minutes. Yeah. Versus God. Well, we've got to remember, I always salute to the flag, but I will um, always bow to God. I will never, I'll never mix up the two. And I think that's something that a lot of people have to remember. Do not mix up those two because they are very different. Saluting a flag versus bowing to God. Do not bow before our flag. Salute the flag. And do not just salute God. No, bow to him. I think that's where a lot of people get mixed up. And I, I just, I want you all, I'm, I'm letting you think about these things because they're real. These decisions we have to make today. Go ahead. But how many Christians really know the word? That's the difference. It's not religion. It's a relationship that you have with God. You have to know what he says to you, and you have to know the word. That's the basics. Because if you don't know it, you'll go along with the crowd. And that's why uh, we encourage people that come to church to read the Bible. Like in my halfway house, when I was when I was telling, you got to read the Bible. You got to read it every day. You got to know it like it, it's the most important book that you know. So if you're reading anything but the Bible, the most important book, then you're missing. That's that's the secret. Is that's why we have Bible studies and all is because we want people to go through the Bible and to realize what it says. Because that is our life 
story. It's, it's our life. It's, all right, let me go through some of these slides here. Uh, Bonhoeffer, he felt uh, free to share, but he, I don't know how, to, I, I had to look up Everhart Bettage. Does anybody speak German? <laughs> it's a name. How do you say Betke? Is it Bet Betke? I call it Betke now. I, I heard it in one of my, so I was trying to figure out, how do you say that? B-E-T-H-G-E. Beaky. And uh, Bonhoeffer, they were saying Bonhoeffer, Beaky, and I, <laughs> it took a while to learn who, what they were talking about. But uh, he was a very shy man. Now, he was also a very smart man. Uh, and, and it says here, it's, he did not, if, if his private, ill-expressed theological thoughts would have found their way in the seminary, discussions of the future, he would not only have been embarrassed, but deeply disturbed. So you can see what he thought of himself. He was, he, he was very humble and, uh, and likable. Go ahead. I did. All right. He recognized the standard issue religion had made God small, having dominion over those things we could not explain. That religious God was merely the God of the gaps, the God who concerned himself with secret sins and hidden thoughts, but Bonhoeffer rejected abbreviated God. This God, or the God of the Bible, was Lord over everything, over every scientific discovery. He was Lord over not just what we did. Not, no. He w uh, I was listening to the TV the other day. That's where I get educated a lot of times. And the penicillin was found by accident. Now, how do, you, how do you say that? Well, God probably said, do this, do that. And then somebody did it, and boom, they, he, he, he uh, found out penicillin. Now, penicillin is one of the most, it's a magical drug. It really is. It's an awesome drug. You might be allergic to penicillin now because we've used it over and over again. But uh, God uh, had, uh, had his way, and uh, he said, okay, do this, that, and the other, and you will understand this is going to help you. And he did. Okay, let me, let me try another one. What is bothering me incessantly is the question what Christianity really is, or indeed who Christ really is. For us today, the time when people could be told everything by means of words, whether theological or pious, is over. So the time of inwardness and conscience, and that means the time of religious, religious in general. We are moved towards a completely religiousless time People as they are now cannot be religious anymore. Even those who honestly describe themselves as religious do not at least act upon it. And so they presumably mean something quite different as religious. Do you all understand what that meant? If you're religious, that doesn't mean that you follow the Bible. It just means you're religious. Now, we have Muslim religions, Hindu religions, Masonic religions. These, these are basically... Uh, what what is available today? Yeah, I think that last sentence is interesting. That even those who honestly describe themselves as religious do not, in the least, act up to it. So they don't they don't act it. You know. So presumably they must mean something different by religious. So. All right. This this next slide. It really bothered him, and he heard that the last years had been a complete wasted as far as he was concerned. 
People were telling him this. I'm, he was in prison. I'm glad that I have never yet had the feeling, even for a moment, nor have I ever regretted my decision in the summer of 1939, for I'm firmly convinced, however strange it may seem, that my life has followed a straight and unbroken course. At any rate, in its outward conduct, it has been uninterrupted enrichment of experience for which I can only be thankful. If I were to end my life here in these conditions, that would have a meaning that I think I could understand. On the other hand, everything might be thoroughly for preparation for the new start and new task. These are long ones, but these tell how he felt. He said, hey, and who else did that in the Bible? Who, who thought that his, he was in prison when he wrote all the books? Paul. And we read them today. Now, God knew what he was doing. Now, we've, Jan and I have read uh, stories about people who've had near-death experience. They don't want to come back. Everybody that has been to heaven one time wants to stay there. So what God is doing is using you to bring other people to heaven. He knows what he's doing. So we can always trust God. And, that, and that's, that's something that uh, I say to myself all the time. God is trustworthy. So I don't know what's going on in our country today. I don't know what God is trying to do. I don't know what he is doing, but I support him, and I do trust him. I don't know, and that's the way it is with these scriptures. I don't know which way to go sometimes, but I, I trust the Lord, and I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and that's, that's what I want you to do. I think that's the last long one. Bonhoeffer, he was thinking a new way about what he had been thinking and saying for two decades. God was bigger than anyone ever imagined, and he wanted more of his followers and more of the world than was given him. That's God. God, he was thinking a new way. God is more important. All right. He rejected, he rejected and abbreviated God. The God of the Bible was Lord over everything, over every scientific discuss, discovery, including penicillin. <laughs> he was Lord over not the just what we did not know, but over what we knew and were discovering through science. Bonhoeffer was wondering if it wasn't time to bring God into the whole world and stop pretending he wanted only to live in those religious corners that we reserve for him. Yeah, he, Bonhoeffer was quite a thinker, I think. I, I think I put him on the level of the Apostle Paul because he was very educated, very smart, and he never gave up. He wasn't perfect, and he says that, but he never gave up trying to do the right thing. No, he didn't commit suicide. He was hung. He was, he was hung. I thought, oh, I thought you said that he was... Hitler committed suicide. Oh, Hitler. Yeah. I got the right one. Yeah, he... Yeah, after, after Valkyrie, when it really blew up that... I mean, I saw a picture of the room. It blew up. I mean, Hitler was on another side of the, a bit, of the room at that time. And it really destroyed that. I don't know how he was not killed. <laughs> All right, but then somebody might argue, well, you tried to kill the anointed one by me because I put him in office. So some people might think that way. I think that's hard to hold 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. It always seems to me that we're trying anxiously to find ways, a way to reserve some space for God. I should like to speak of God, not of the boundaries, but at the center. Not of the weaknesses, but in strength. Therefore, not in the death and guilt, but in man's life and goodness. The church stands not as not at the boundaries where the human power give out, but in the middle of the village. That's the way he felt about church. Oh, let me see. Those who wish to focus on the problems of the Christian ethic are faced with an outrageous demand from the onset they must give up as inappropriate to this topic, to the very two questions that led them to deal with ethical problems. How can I be good, and how can I do something good? Instead, they must ask the Holy Other. This is it. What? Completely different question. What is the will of God? So if we don't know what God's going to say, we say, hey, what's the will? What do you want me to do? And I think if we're not asking that question, then we'll be lost. We won't know the answer to anything. So God say, God, what do you want me to do? I will do what you want me to do. You just tell me what it is. Now, some people might say, I don't hear from God. Now, here's the way I used, to put, I, used to, I used to say it. If you're walking toward two doors, A and B, and for some reason you go to A, your faith says that's what God wanted you to do. Right? Y'all agree with that? If you prayed first. If you pray before you walk? Yeah. I think you. I think you have to say, Lord, I don't know which door to take. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to. You're going to have to lead me, and when he and when you do it, sometimes he'll let us just go our own way and see where we end up. <laughs> so if we don't pray uh, first. Yeah, sometimes we take the wrong door. I think. I think we all. Hearing the the voice of God for direction, you know, we know that. For me, when let me take an example, um, we get invited to go. I'll just pick one, Tanzania. So we've got Leif Hetland comes and says, please come to Tanzania, bring a mission team with us. I'd like you to run the deliverance tents for us. So we, Lord, I don't know, is that you? I mean, okay, we've been invited. He's a great. So we pray and we ask the Lord and then the Lord brings prophetic people. They walk even to House of Mercy and they tell us, they see us ministering in Africa under the, uh, under the big mountain there, <laughs> the Kilimanjaro. It's like, whoa, now, where that, that? so God revealed to us, you should go. Well, then who should go? Who are the mission team people that should go? And is the timing right? Do we have the finances to do it? So in my journal, you'll find entries of God. I, I think you're telling us to go. Is that you? Well, if that's true, then, Lord, next week, we got to put money down on the tickets. Yeah. And so there's this journey with God in the questioning. And then, Lord, if it's not you, shut this down. I think those are safe places as the children of God. I want to do what you want me to do. It's not clear to me. So I'm asking you to show me. I'm trusting you to show me. Block it if it's not. I think you're in safe grounds when you walk that way. Yeah, and I, and I, I can the way say I that do too. She, she wants to say something. Yeah, I think, I don't know where I heard it, but it's like a three-pronged stool, three-legged stool, you know, that there's the, um, the council of others and then there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's um, the Bible, and that you have to have those three things lined up, and counsel of others, you know, of course you have to be careful who you counsel with, but. <laughs> like, we can't expect for God to just some, like, send out a 
holy thing of angels and angels say, all right, this is the way for you to go. We can't, we can't expect for God to literally speak to us like that. We do have our, like a gut intuition saying, this is, I'm just feeling this is the right way to go. And we need to learn to trust that God, I mean, yeah, there's just something our, our gut intuition saying one way or the other. But there is also through prayer. And after you pray, you think, you know, I'm really feel, like I was I was gonna go this way, but my gut's now telling me like I'm to adopt the two kittens um, this weekend. But then I was like, you know, my gut intuition again, adopting cats versus going to a certain road, different. But still, my gut intuition told me to go the other way, and I think I went the right way just because I trusted my gut. And again, it's a bit different than adopting cats versus going on roads like this. But still, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, learn to accept your gut and to. Follow it. I think that's the key right there is just knowing what, how God. Now, a lot of times he'll let you start. And you'll walk toward where you want to go, and then it wouldn't work. All right, let me just give you an example. Tithing, people are, don't have enough faith to tithe. But if you don't tithe, you end up worse. <laughs> that's, just a, that's the truth. If you don't tithe, you won't have enough money. But if you tithe, you will. Your faith is, okay, God, you hadn't said I had to tithe. And, and uh, I think uh, some, one of the famous preachers, I heard him say, you will, you'll still get to heaven if you don't tithe. But you won't have as much. <laughs> it, a lot of, I get a lot of questions, especially in prayer ministry uh, up in the front here. And they say, hey, pray for my finances. That everybody seems to have trouble with their finances. But if you, t- if you give your money to God, he honors you, even though you don't feel anything. Bishop? See, the subject of tithing is so important because it borders on one of the most important things to you, your money. You know, your family obviously is important to you because your money represents your sweat, your work, everything that you put your life towards. And if you look at the commandments, God said one of the most powerful words that the Lord said was, test me in this. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing that you won't have enough room to contain it. You know, God is saying, test me. So you have to be willing to take that step of faith and say, you know what, Lord, what I've got is not enough to do what I need to do anyway. So I'm going to trust you with this. And if you do, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, people say, well, I've tried that. My son is one. I've tried giving money, but it doesn't do any good. He went to a conference, and, he, and they said, well, if you give $1,000, you'll be blessed and highly favored. <laughs> he said, it didn't happen. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a lifestyle. Yeah, it wasn't a lifestyle. So you have to live. And I think the best way to do that is to say, Lord, I don't, and I tell people, give the money. If you've got $800, give $80 to God. And then, and then you could say, the money's there, but God has to provide it. Just a brief testimony recently. I received a payment of $2,000, and I've 
gave my, on a Wednesday night, I gave Nilsa my $200, which is 10%. And that was, I'm not bragging about this, but the story was so unusual. That was on a Wednesday night, and on Saturday, I was shopping at um, Walgreens up by River Road, and um, I, would, I came to the front desk, and I asked the lady, do you know what a 14-year-old boy would like? You know, because Elijah was, I was getting a gift for him. And um, a man was standing next to me, and I had three different games there that I was going to pick. Anyway, he followed me, and he said, I have a nine-year-old boy, I have a nine-year-old boy. And he said, I'll tell you which ones would be good. So I put the one back, and he said, I tell you, everything that you have in your basket and everything that you would want to put in your basket, I will pay for you. I said, oh, you can't do that. I won't, oh, I can't let you do that. He said, you can and I will. And people were <laughs> shocked standing around me. I was shocked. And so um, anyway, when I went, finally got everything I got together, I went to the desk. It was $93. And she was, the woman who was checking me out, she was speechless. <laughs> I was speechless. And the people who were waiting to check out were speechless. But God is faithful. And I couldn't get over it. I was so amazed. It was instantaneous. Jan, right there. cheerful giver. I've learned that. And we can block our own blessings by our attitudes. I've learned. Yeah, I think so, sometimes you know you can. You can block your, your, your attitude is like my son. And he, he'll tell you this. So he, I'm not speaking out of turn. But you don't give to get. You give because God says it's my money. Right. And he does give us that promise. Yeah, giving is not uh, a lottery. You know, if I give God 10, I'm going to get 100. Who's, who's, who's got 10? No, 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 no. You know, you have to follow what the Lord is prompting you. First of all, we have what is written. The Bible says we should give 10%. So that's the tithe. And then over and above the tithe, you give offering, love offering. The Bible says it loves a cheerful giver. I love what my brother said. It's about the attitude. And when you give also, you give in faith. The Bible says give and it will come back to you, good measure, press down. And that's the other part of the message that me, many in the church have missed. They give, I say, I give to God, I don't expect anything in return. Read your Bible. That's not what the Bible said. It said give, and it will come back to you. Because if you don't have faith on the line for the returns that God promised, and you say, I'm just giving, I'm just giving. That's why many people are saying they're, they're not receiving anything, because they are not putting, faith is so all pervasive, everything, whether it's your giving, whether it's getting born again, whether it's anything that you do, you have to do it in faith and expect God to bring the returns back to you. But if you don't expect, well, you can't blame God. And that's why we have to teach this and, and continue to teach it in the church so that people will understand it and be able to engage it. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless your family. He wants to make, meet your needs. But you have to be obedient. What I was going to say actually was, if you trust God, you know, somebody came to the front, I'm praying for my finances. Well, have you obeyed what the Bible said? Have you obeyed what God said in his book? <laughs> if you haven't obeyed that, then that's where you need to start. 
and begin to trust God in your finance. Obviously, you can't be lazy. You go to work. You do what you need to do. But trust God to bless it. And in a period of time, you look back, you're like, God, this is amazing. That's not where I was a year ago. It's not going to happen in 20 minutes. It's going to happen over a period of time. That's how God works. He works yeah. through seed time and harvest. Yeah, I can, I can tell that. Tell my son knows the story, and that he's 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 a good example of this. But he, but he says, yeah, I need, to, and I tell him, I, and I say, Todd, you've got to just give your money, and say, Lord, if I die, I die. Now, how how many of us can do that? Lord, if you don't bless me, then I I can't live. You're going to have to get that much impetus to do it. Got a question? is while giving is very important, we've got to be sure not to just keep on piling stuff on the altar and then lose, salt, lose sight of the altar itself. Like the altar itself, God, he's the, he is the true one. So we can't just think, oh, by giving so much money, oh, I'm, I'm safe, and just kind of lose, lose sight of God himself because he thinks, oh, we're good. I'm good because I've given so much money. That's... Giving is, giving is important. It is. But again, we can't expect, oh, I've given so much money and then just kind of forget about why I've given the money for God. That's just something that you've got to be careful about. Like the, I, I've, been, I've been there where I've, oh, I've, I feel so good. I've given so much money. Then I'm, and then I start seeing that I'm losing sight of the altar itself. And so you just got to... Yeah, that's, you don't give to get. Yeah. You give because you're... And it's just, it goes back to those, do what God tells you to do. If he says, do this, do it. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't have any money. I've, I've known people that have a couple hundred dollars a month. And I say, well, give $20, lay, lay the rest on the, on the counter, and then pay, pay the bills you can. And then you tell God, God, I got, I got not enough money. I got it's eight hundred dollars worth of bills. I've got one hundred eighty dollars. Help me with the with this bill, and he will. That's ha that's been that's happened in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Uh, it's just faith, and everybody has it. And uh, you know, we're talking about Bonhoeffer. He had great faith to to uh, to do what he did. He was the kind of guy that would stand up against people who were who were sure they were right. He would stand up and, and take a stand for God and say, no, you're not right. I'm, I'm telling you, God tells us to do this. And so he, he, uh, he started a new church called the Confessing Church. And uh, it wasn't, he was a Lutheran pastor. But he started a Confessing Church. And in that church, he was able to teach what he was supposed to be teaching. But... Uh, <laughs> He was treated very poorly, and eventually he was put in prison. So his life story is this. He went one and a half years. He was in this Ivy League prison, I call it. His uh, relative, his uncle, was in charge of the prison, which gave Bonhoeff, the guards kind of bowed down to him because he was a relative, and they gave him uh, free time, and he could write letters. In fact, they even sent letters to him, or they gave him, 
paper, pencil, and he wrote the letters. So he, he did a lot of things. But then the, after the Valkyrie, he was uh, fa found out they were reading the, the, the I call it the CIA because I can't pronounce, Abwehr or something. They uh, found his name on those things, and they said, no, nah, he's got to die. So Hitler uh, put him in a concentration camp, and in that concentration camp, he got hung. He didn't commit suicide. <laughs> he, he was hung by the neck, and, and uh, he was ready to die. He's al almost like uh, what you've heard the, the Peter say, hey, God, I've done it right. I've done what you told me to do, and I give my life to you. And that's what he did, and he died for that. So I, I, I think he was a great man. I, I've learned a lot about him. I think he's a lot like the Apostle Peter, Peter and Paul. He was a very strong-willed man. He, he didn't believe just because you said it. He believed it because it was right. Has anybody got any more comments? I'll read, read this next one because I think this... Uh, 1944, I think. Yeah. I think this slide really speaks to what's going on today, so just read that one. All right. Bonhoeffer believed that, historically speaking, it was time for everyone to see these things. The evilness of the Nazi could not defeat, could not be defeated via old-fashioned ethics, rules, and principles. God alone could combat it. And, that, and that's what I tell people who are steeped in addiction, is the only way to get out of this thing is, is, is by faith in God. God is the only one that can get you out of this. And no, my, I, I can speak uh, with my family members. And my daughter was hopelessly addicted. She had tried many times, 20 or 20 times she had tried to quit taking drugs, and she could not do it. But now that she's serving the Lord, she's been baptized. And it's been over a year and a half now that she has served the Lord and uh, is doing it well. And so what she did was give up. She gave up everything but God. He's the only one to keep her out of sin. And he, he did. Okay, I, that's all I got. And I'll pray for you. Huh? I got more slides, but. But you're done, huh? <laughs> okay. What do you have, Bishop? Oh, I was just going to. I was going to add to uh, the comment about giving. Um, I, I like what my sister said about uh, we don't want to replace giving for honor to the God that we serve. But I also want to comment that we read in the Bible that giving is a form of worship where from the Old Testament up to the New Testament. So, um, you know, when we talk about worship, we always think of music and singing and lifting up holy hands. That's a huge part of it. But giving is also a form of worship. So if God says, give unto the Lord with a joyful heart, it's a part of your worship. So you're tight, you're giving, and, and like Pastor said, let the Holy Spirit lead you. You know, the Bible says, bring ye all the tight into my storehouse. The storehouse is the house of God. Going back to my comment about my relative, I wasn't giving to the pastor, I was giving to God. It's just a earthly representative that's taking it from me and giving it to my high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God knows how much you make. I've commented about that in some of my messages. He knows 10% of what you make. So 
Uh, if you don't give 10%, you haven't even given. Uh, I know I'm stepping on some toes, but um, that's the beginning of giving. If you don't give 10%, anything above, anything below that is just you're throwing pocket change to God, and that's not honoring to the king. So giving is a very important uh, expectation the Lord has for us. And like Pastor said, if you don't give, that doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, but you, you break... Uh, some covenant that God wants to have with you. There are some things that God wants to do through your life that he's not going to be able to do because of your disobedience. And it's a form of disobedience. Um, I got several people. Oh, sorry. Well, I was thinking um, the comments you're saying, that what I heard there was um, if you're using the tithe kind of to condone other aspects of your life. I remember I was counseling, this is years back, um, the wife was very frustrated, and so the husband and wife end up in my office. She goes, I don't understand why God's not blessing us. We're tithing. And the Holy Spirit gave me a download, and I said, are there any areas of sin in your life? And I turned to the husband. And it's one thing. I guess you could lie to the pastor, but it's not a good thing. So um, <laughs> he admitted in front of his wife there was a bunch of stuff going on. She, they were paying the tithe, and for some reason, he was trying to figure out why they weren't being blessed. And then, it, oh, and it turned out really good because he confessed and got things in order. But you can't use the tithe to bribe God to bless you if you've got other areas of your life that are impure. And that, so it's, it's all of that. Right? So this is an old story for me. Um, I learned about tithing from Leon Dotson, old-timey pastor who used to be an auto body painter and worker in Montgomery County. Really nice guy. He's the first person that ever as a pastor took me to tithing. And he asked us to just test God on it. You know, and he really was a plain speaking kind of guy. He said, I want you to do this as a promise unto God. Just test him on it. And what I loved about Leon is he said, he may not return that to you financially. He said, God says he will bless you. It doesn't necessarily guarantee the, the, the blessing of finance. So anyway, he tells this story, and I'll tell it to you because it's an old story for, from Montgomery County, Maryland. There's a place called Montgomery Wards. It used to be an old catalog system, if you all know of. The owner of Montgomery Wards was a Christian, and he loved God very much. And he prayed unto God that God would bless his business. And the result was he began tithing. But he kept praying to God about the business growing and that his blessing was so much. So by the time of his death, they announced his will, which is, you know, like God's will in your life. This was Montgomery Ward's will. And in the end, when they uncovered his finances, Montgomery Ward lived off of the 10%. And he gave 90% of the company to God, all the finances. Because every year that company grew, he was able to see the blessing of God. Now, I don't say that to you guys. I am not that smart about finances. So what I do is the second smartest thing. I just hand it over to Kathy. <laughs> and she blesses God. And then I chastened her today about giving so much money. And she completely ignores me. She doesn't. But God blesses both of us. And blesses us because we tithe. Okay? So, 
So uh, about 20 years ago, or 25, I don't know, it was years and years and years ago, I, my father was a big believer in, I don't know if he tithed, but I know he probably did, and he gave a lot of money. And uh, so anyway, uh, before I knew my husband, I didn't make a lot of money, but I was a baby Christian. And so I'm in low-income housing trying to make ends meet with not much money, but I've become born again, and I joined a Bible study, and they talked about tithing. So with my salary and everything, is like, I'll give 5%. At least that's a start. And then eventually I married my husband, and we were able to tithe. And question about whether to tithe on the net versus the gross. So we were tithing on the net. And eventually, I think we, yeah, we, we eventually we did tithe on the gross. But it came to a point where I, I, I was frustrated because the bills just kept coming in. And it just, it was like we could never, it's not like, we were progressing backwards, but we weren't progressing forwards. And I just, the bills just kept coming in, coming in, and we were able to, to make our bills, but long story short, I don't know if it was a year or two or three, I don't remember how many years, but I finally just got to the point where I was sitting at my desk and I just made a fist and I just, pounded as hard as I could. I just pounded on the desk. And I said, I don't understand. I, I just, I don't understand. I'm tithing, but the bills are there. I, we can't make our monthly debt each time. We're always having to pay interest. But I'm faithful, and it's not working. And I sat there, and I just, paused. I just took a pause. And I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about my attitude of being angry and pounding the desk. Because that wasn't the point. The point was to tithe and how much I loved the Lord. And I was looking at it the wrong way. And I just like, God, you know, I'm just so sorry. And he has really blessed us beyond measure. It's almost scary. And we're, we're able to give. And I just, I don't know. I think we can look at uh, today, look, look at the Chick-fil-A. Christians own Chick-fil-A, they don't work on Sunday, and everybody else, probably their financial advisors, adv advised them they'd lose a lot of money if they didn't work Sunday. Look at, look, look any Chick-fil-A you pass in, in town, there's double lives around it. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're a great family, and uh, Yeah. 
I'm just curious, with tithing, does that be giving money directly to a specific church? Or can it be in other ways, giving money to like third world countries and helping them in wonderful ways and huge ways? I mean, is that can be uh, considered a tithe? I mean, Obviously, there's different opinions on that. Um, if you look at Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 10 through 16, it says, um, bring, your, bring your tithe into the storehouse. In that context, that's the, that was the temple, it was the church. Um, you know, our, maybe you know our story. Every, every January, late February, we, um, we cover our finances for the year. You'll see this year, all of the monies that come into this church we tithe. We have a couple of board members here, and, and Bishop's a board member. This year, we're probably average 16% of everything that came in went out. And we have missions going into Mozambique. We have it going into Costa Rica. We have it going into Nepal. And so uh, th this storehouse, we, we bless the local. So we're giving to Lifeline Pregnancy. We're giving to Life Radio. Um, uh, Mayaz in Israel. So we have both national and international missions that leaves from this storehouse to that. So as an individual, I think you're supposed to be part of a house. I, you know, there's a lot of, well, I'm the church, and I just believe you're supposed to be part of a fellowship, right? And when you're part of a fellowship and you give your tithe to the storehouse, those leaders of that storehouse are responsible to God to put that money where he wants it to go. And uh, if you take that responsibility, right. So, but there are offerings that my wife and I give outside of our tithe to this church. We, we support other ministries. We give, the Lord will come in, uh, you know, whether it's uh, a Christian children's organization and this. So those are offerings that are above the 10% tithe. So I may give offerings to the church. I give my tithe to the church. But if the Lord says, wow, look at this, Christians United for Israel. We give to that organization. Um, Women for America against abortion. We give to that organization. Those are offerings that are above my tithe and above my offering here. And we've been tithing. My story's not much different than Kathy's. When I first came in working for GE, and I heard, I, I can't recall ever hearing a message on tithing in my younger days. And then I got convicted, and I said, well, it can't possibly be the gross, you know, because I give so many taxes and... So it's got to be on the net. And then the Lord changed my mind. So for the last, I think it's probably 40-some-odd years, my wife and I have given tithes and offerings. And it doesn't always turn out in a financial way, but it does turn out in a blessing way long-term of all the things. So um, when you look at how God in his economy works this thing. So the answer to that is I believe it should go to the storehouse. It's my personal opinion. But I also have offerings that go out to other places that are not directly associated with the storehouse. Amen. Yeah. I think um, it all started here for me was the process because I was one of those that had the issue of the, the bills and I began to read CAPS, and CAPS was one of these that basically said you need to decree and, and declare over your bills. But that's not the only way to do it. It's not just to pray for it. It's to actually begin the process of giving and giving to the church first. So when people work out budgets, sometimes they forget that one of the first ones they should do on the budget is to claim it to the church. And then from the church goes into other things. I used to love to go up and give it every Sunday uh, before COVID, 
But now that we've had COVID, I have begun to deal specifically with the first fruits. I don't want to pay anything else. When I get paid and it clears the bank, just shows that it's there, the first thing I do is I give it to the church. That's me. And over the years, I've checked my history. I have not only begun to, to see the increase, but I'm now giving to other organizations more frequently. And I'm feeling no pain, no suffering. I just feel good <laughs> because I know what I'm doing is correct and I'm helping others. And now I'm beginning to expand beyond to the Jewish, uh, the people, I, I get all these things about how the Jews are suffering and they need to be fed. And I, I mean, there are just so many places to give. But anyway, I'm just going to say the church here has established that within me. The Holy Spirit has been the one that has allowed me to give more freely because I want to. But if you want to hear about tithing, this is the place to be. The church, Tom's good at it. You know, he's going to tell you that's exactly what we need to do. But I'm glad he did because I had to learn. And it is a learning process. It truly is. So declare and, de and, and, and de declare and decree over your bills, but in the same time, give the money and, and just, you want these bills to, to disappear? Then don't worry about it. You claim it that God will be responsible for helping you get through it. Thank you, David. I, I think that's exactly what I was talking about earlier about we give. You've, you've, you've obeyed God, you've given, but then faith is a part of it. Faith is a part of everything. In order for anything to produce in the kingdom, faith is a part of it. Whether it's giving, whether it's salvation, think about anything in the kingdom, faith is a part of it. So when he was talking about decreeing over it, you are giving your money an assignment, not because you want to give to get, no, because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. So that's why sometimes many people are giving and after a while they get frustrated because they are not actively believing God to do something, to bring the return. Because the word says give and it will come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together. Uh, and just to add to what Pastor said, as a pastor of the church and the head of the church, uh, somebody might be saying, well, he's saying that because he's a pastor. Well, I'm not the pastor, so I'm going to say it. Malachi 3 talks about giving into the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church that you are part of. But it also talks about giving to other causes that the Lord puts in your heart. And that's coming out of your offering. So just like Pastor, I have some other organizations that I give to that I'm part of, you know, Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, places like that, as the Lord leads me. So but it's a process, like my brother said. You have to develop a faith, a faith level to give up that 10%. Because the enemy will tell you, if you give up 10%, you are gonna, you're going to die. But no, you won't die. If anything, God will increase you exponentially. Well, he wants to. No, I want to read it. Speaking about faith, First John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Uh, I want to read 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 of the NLT. Faith in the Son of God, speaking of faith. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, 
and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Mary, you want to talk? Just want to light on, end on light spirit. You were talking about Montgomery Ward. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I do too. But yeah. I worked for J.C. Penney, and that man came into the elevator. In those days, you had an elevator boy, you know, pushing the buttons. He would come in wearing his spats and everything. But when you were hired with him, he gave you his book, which was uh, the Main Street Merchant. And it was all about his Christian background. And he was a blessed man to work for. And uh, they said when he died, he left something like 1,500 stores. And that was a producing of his lifestyle. Yeah. Well, why don't we all stand? And it's 8 o'clock, so we'll. God just put us in another direction. <laughs> and. Uh, We'll go, with, we'll go with God. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the time. Thank you for those that, that have given of their time to come and listen to those who, who love you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll be with each one tonight. And as we go through this day, as we go through this night and, and through the rest of this week, that, you, that we will be very conscious of your presence in our lives and that we'll live a a good life together. In Jesus' name, amen.